After that meditation, Thanks, man. Uh, sometimes you, it's just no good transition, you know? <laughs> just like, okay, baby dedication, rock out. <laughs> Sermon. Yeah. Oops. Uh, we've always claimed that the service at Hope is, is never intended to be really slick and everything like that. And so this is a moment where it's just, just not. <laughs> and so there's no good way. Thank you. That was great. Um, one of the things that, that uh, I have wanted to do for, for quite a while now, and especially being, being around you all, a lot of you have pushed me in this area, is to get outside of uh, this country and to, to do some work in another, another country just for a short period of time. And I don't feel that God at this point in time is calling my wife and I and our family to do that long term. But being around many, many of you, as you have done these short-term mission works, I know Hope has a connection with the Camp Shamana in China. I know many of you have done that. We have a partnership with Mission Moving Mountains in Nigeria. And, and many of you have done these short-term mission things. And so I started thinking about this a couple years ago and started thinking, yeah, when the right opportunity comes, I want to go, I want to do something like that. And, uh, and then a year ago, uh, actually it was almost a year and a half ago, a friend of mine asked me if I would like to go to the Ukraine, and to do two four-day four conferences where we train pastors who, uh, most of those pastors that came through the Soviet system, where if you were a uh, Christian, they dropped you from school, and uh, when the Soviet was part of the Soviet bloc, and so many of these don't even have further than an eighth grade education. Not saying that education is what it's all about, but it, it helps, obviously, and so he put together this trip, and we were going to go a year ago, and then due to some circumstances beyond everyone's control, the whole thing fell through, and we didn't get a chance to go. But then he asked me again last spring, would you like to go um, on this trip to, to the Ukraine? And I said, uh, and I talked to our overseers, and I talked to our mission team, and everybody thought, we'd love to have you go. And so I went and I renewed my passport. My passport had been expired since uh, 1995, which is a very bad thing. No one should have a passport. Has anybody else got an expired passport? It's wicked. Get that thing up and get out of here. It was great because I just went goose hunting in Canada and I gave him my passport. You feel like getting Canada with, uh, with a passport. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm headed to the Ukraine. And I, I wanted to let you all know that for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, I just wanted to let you, I'm going to be gone from November 7th through the 20th. It'll be two Sundays. You'll... You won't see me, and I only work one hour a week, so that really doesn't make a whole lot of... Oh, no, two services now, two hours a week. Um, but I'll be gone those weeks, and I really covet people's prayer and for that time, for this whole thing, that when we go, that we will be able to have an impact, uh, long-term relationships with these people, what we're trying to form um, with this whole pastoral group that we're, we're forming. And then also, I'm trying to raise finances. Um, I, instead of writing all of you a letter, I just left them all out there on the table. And if you are interested, and I'm not asking if you're not interested, that's fine. But if you are, uh, and if you're interested in joining the prayer team, you can just drop an email. There's a little outside my office here. There's a table and has all my Ukraine stuff, uh, information sheet about the Ukraine, what we're going to be doing, that whole kind of thing. And if you're interested in supporting the trip, that would be great. Let me tell you about the support part of it real quickly is what I love about this trip is it costs $2,000 to get us over there and to pay for all our expenses, and it costs another 1000 
because we're actually paying for the conference and we're paying the pastors to come. Most of them are bivocational and they cannot afford to take time off work. So we're paying them, we're paying for the conference. So the four of us that are going on this team have each, uh, uh, each said we will raise $1,000 each to cover that cost. And I love that. I think that's just so hope community. You know, we always say if money's a problem, it's no problem, not a problem. Well, it's a problem in the Ukraine. And so uh, we're able to do that. So if you'd be willing to help either the, uh, a pastor, it's about $35 a pastor to go, or if you're willing to help me to get over there, that would be great. So enough, enough said about that. If you drive by my house, um, you will notice that uh, my house now has not so bad, but it was a big hole in the front yard. We're in the middle of this basement remodeling project that uh, I have been dreaming about for 15 years since I've owned the house. We uh, came about this because we have a third of our house. We have about a 1,400 square feet, you know, on the main floor. And then about a third of that in the basement <clears throat> was just a crawl space. I don't know who designed this basement, but it was always just a crawl space. And I've been poking my head in there for 15 years saying, someday I'm going to dig that out. Well, the someday is now. And so we are in the process. I, I hired an excavator and the whole thing. They dug that all out. Now we have a, a basement underneath there, a nice big open room. Our hope is by the chili bowl. We can have a big old party down there with a borrow hopes projector and watch the Vikings kill the Packers. <laughs> Any bragging against Wisconsin, though, as it ceased as of about 2.50 yesterday afternoon. <clears throat> a moment of silence here for, oh my goodness. Now you Wisconsin people can cheer. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Security. All right, enough of that. But, um, but I, I actually, and you know, to put a spin on it, um, every day we have, we have our, our whole front yard is mud. My neighbor's on both sides of me. I've talked to them. We're going to buy them a Christmas turkey or something. We have mud. We have mud in the street. It is just mud. I came here this morning. I had to wash my shoes so it wasn't just caked on mud everywhere. And the phrase I'm giving to our family, they're not here this service. They'll be here next service. But I say all the time is, we have to keep the perspective. It's fun to have a project. Because otherwise, <laughs> you're just living in the mud. You're just living in the whole thing. And it is. It's fun to have a project. Yeah, but you've got to put that spin on it. Otherwise, you're a dead man. So I don't know how long that's going to last here. Um, I, I love doing this, though. Um, uh, we've got a couple people here from church, Seth Prince and, and um, Chris Roberts helping us on the project. And I, I love remodeling. I love working with my hands. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm very good at it. When I was in seminary, I uh, built cabinets as a way, did kitchen cabinetry and, and redesigned people's kitchens as a way to make some money. And uh, I just love taking the art of woodworking is taking big pieces of wood and making small pieces of wood and then making them back to big pieces of wood. That's all, that's all woodworking really is. And I love doing that. There's just something in you. I think, I think it's a God thing where there's just something in you that likes to create. You know? I'm looking at Charlie here. He's a master in gym back there. Both those guys are master craftsmen. And, and the, 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 something in you just likes to create. And maybe it's not those kind of materials. I don't know what it is. Seth up there, he's a master, working on my basement with me. I mean, there's just something cool about getting things like that done. Now, and that might not be your medium. You might not like that. You might create like these guys just 
created. Can you guys hear me now? Is the ringing gone in your ears? Um, the, uh, the, they like to create music and something happens or perhaps you're like an artist. I picked up a couple uh, uh, pictures here off the internet of, of uh, these paintings by da Vinci. First one is a very famous one. Mona Lisa, obviously, and more people have talked about that. I guess he painted this on the back of a piece of pine is what the originally what it was done. And then the other one is, this has been now restored. This is a picture of the restored one. The, the, before it was restored, if you look online, it's really interesting. There's not really much left of it. It has been care painstakingly restored. But you got to think, when, when da Vinci, who was you know, not just an artist, I mean, the guy was just very, very smart uh, in a lot of different ways. But when he's done with these things, just something inside of him must have just come alive. Something about working with your hands, writing a paper, writing poetry, uh, creating music, making a house, whatever it is, something you get that sense within you that that felt good. That felt good. Just screwing a cabinet to the wall and backing away and going, ah, that's done. That's going to be able to be used for, for years and years and years. I'd get this kind of interesting feeling. We're in a series right now, a big, long series on the Gospel of John. And we've just started it a few weeks ago, so if you're new to us, you're in a great place. In fact, if you're, if you're new to us and you don't own a Bible or you just like to carry with you a Gospel of John, we have in the pews, I believe there's still a bunch available there, we'll keep restocking them, a Gospel of John. You can take this. They're right around you somewhere. If you want one, you can have one. Not a problem. We're going to be in the Gospel of John for the next 37 years, so those will be handy for you. We're right now, between now and Christmas, we're taking a look at the first 18 verses. The first 18 verses is what's called the prologue of the Gospel of John. And we've called it, we've kind of subtitled it, The Word Became Fleshed and Moved Into the Neighborhood. Talking about what happens in these first 18 verses. Last week of the first 18 verses, why don't you put that up there, Bill, the next one. Last week, we looked at the first two verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We talked last week all about right away, first thing out of John's mouth when he's writing this and letting you know about who Jesus Christ is, his gospel account of who Jesus is. The first thing he wants you to know is that Jesus Christ is fully God. We dealt with that last week with all the complications with it, all the mysteries of it, all the beauty of it. It's a beautiful thing. This week we want to look at the third verse. If you go to the next one there, Bill, I think it highlights it. Yeah, it says, through him... That's Jesus now. Through this word, through him, all things were made. Nothing, excuse me, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's all we want to talk about this week is that one, that one passage because it's loaded. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing that has been made has been made. So, there are two claims to that. There are two claims, that, and they're right in, the, right in the verse. The first claim is the first half of it. Through him, all things were made. All right, so just, you don't have to be a genius of grammar here. Through him, all things were, past tense. In other words, way back in the beginning. How far back in the beginning? Way back in the beginning. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Through him, through Jesus Christ, all things were made. The claim here in John 
1, verse 3, is that Jesus Christ was the mediator, or the one part of the, 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 the mystery of the Trinity. He was involved in creation intimately in the very beginning. And then the second claim is without him, nothing that was made. Excuse me, I'm having a hard time reading it. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That phrase, has been made. In other words, everything that ever existed. Okay, everybody look at your hand for a second. All right, that hand right there was created by Christ. That hand, that arm. So the first part of it is way back, and now it's say everything that you can possibly see, everything that you can feel, everything that you can touch was made by Christ, was made through him. He repeats this idea later down in verse 10 of this chapter where he says, he's talking about a different issue and we're going to get to this, but he says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Okay, so it's a different issue here. He's going to deal with the whole thing as he, he's the creator of these cabinets and he came to him. The cabinets didn't say, hey, how you doing? How you doing? They didn't recognize him. But, but the point here I'm trying to make out of it is, he says, though the world was made through him. Okay, so John, first thing he wants to let you know is that Jesus is God. And the second thing he wants to let you know is Jesus is creator. That's interesting. No one else, none of the other Gospels do that. None of the other Gospels are so bold in the beginning to say Jesus is God. And the second thing they don't say right away is he's creator. It's not really a major issue to them. To John, it's the second thing he's going to let you know. Is that Jesus is creator. All right. This raises a whole bunch of questions and thoughts. First one. You trying to tell me that Jesus was in Genesis 1-1? Remember Genesis 1-1? If you, if you're, that's the very first thing in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You're telling me that Jesus Christ was in that? We don't hear anything about Jesus. His name isn't there. There's a hint of it in, later on in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. When, he, when God comes to the point where he's going to make humans, you get a hint of the Trinity right here. Genesis 1, 26 says... Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the livestock, all the earth, over all the creation that move along the ground. Let us make them. Now, how did they divide the labor? That's a lot to do, right? I mean, I'm constantly making do lists of what's next in my basement here. Yeah, I got all these different things going on. What was on Jesus' do list? What was on the Father's do list? What was on the Spirit's do list? Hey, 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 yours is kind of light. You take this and I'll... <laughs> a lot of people used to make a real big deal about the fact that it says in John 1, through him all things were made. So like God the Father was the primary agent, but it was kind of the mediator was Jesus and then the Spirit was involved. And, I, you know, and that, that could very well be true. But, you know, today, as you read most people, they're just leaving it a mystery and saying the Father and the Son and the Spirit were all intimately involved in creation. So it's not wrong to say, I am created by God the Father. It's not wrong to say, I am, my hands was created by Jesus Christ. 
It's not wrong to say I was created by the Spirit. The Father, and this is not a talk on the Trinity, but all of it involved together was involved in creation. It wasn't just one person's aspect. Jesus was in Genesis 1.1. Now, why is it so important? Why does John make the big deal of the second thing he's going to let you know about who Christ is? First thing was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. First thing he's trying to tell you is Jesus is God, fully God, come in human clothes. Human, I mean, he really was human. Second thing he's going to let you know is he made everything. Why is that so important? And that's a theme throughout Scripture. Why is it so important that you acknowledge God as creator? Psalm 33, 6 through 9. Just before I go there. Uh, how did he create all this stuff? I have no idea. I wasn't there. And you know what? You have no idea. You weren't there either. A very well, possibly, could have been seven possible days. Seven 24-hour periods. Could very well have been. I have, I have no idea how that happened. You want to get more mysterious than even that? How do you create, how do you create something out of nothing? As Scotty used to say, that defies the laws of physics, Captain. <laughs> or does it? Anybody a physics major now? Physicists right now are saying that actually, you know how we used to think atoms were, you know, the moon going around with the electrons and all that? Now they're saying, oh, it backs up, there's quarks, and below that there's something else. And actually say there's an infinite regress down to where there isn't really any particles at all. It's just matter, and they believe now that the Big Bang all came together, and that it was so compacted, all the stuff was compacted, it actually was nothing. And I heard that interview about eight years ago, on, and, and the guy was shocked, and he said, wait a minute, what, what does that say about, that sounds an awful lot like Genesis. And the physicist said, he just said it this way, he said, let's just put it this way, there aren't a lot of atheists in the physics department anymore. Okay, it doesn't deny the law of physics because that's the way they think it worked too. But out of nothing, he created something. Okay, anybody else not get that? I don't get that. As much as I tried to make cabinets without making any cost of bills, you know, bill for goods, I couldn't do it. I'm just doing imaginary sheet, you know, plywood here. It did not work. So I never created, I just fashioned, you know. You never really created anything either. You just fashioned. God just said, let there be cabinets. That'll be $8,000, and it's done. <laughs> okay, why is that important? Genesis, or Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. So God just speaks, and stuff that isn't is. I don't get that. But it shocks me, and it should shock you too, into like, whoa, that's cool. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. So the, the psalmist is looking up in the sky, and, and, and this is before lights, and so he's looking up there, and there's stars, there's, there's billions of stars. He's looking up going, wow, God just said, let there be billions of stars, and poof, there they were. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. 
He puts the deep into storehouses. Take this as literature because it's not literal. He didn't, you know, literally. But I mean, he's saying, he does all this stuff. And then it says this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The first reason why it's very important to acknowledge God as creator over everything is that you will not get your right place with God until you do. What happens if you do? You revere him. Whoa! You made everything? Wow! Creation is the basis for having a proper reverence of the power of God Almighty. You know, I'm getting old now, and I'm, I'm, I'm 41, and I'm picking up these hobbies that are old people hobbies. You know, I'm trout fishing. You know, they don't, they don't really catch anything. We just look really cool. I'm, I'm serious. I'm out trout fishing this last weekend. And uh, there's a dude out there who's doing everything wrong. I'm talking everything wrong. He's got the wrong line. He's got a big old swivel on the end of it. He's using a rapala. Catching trout. I'm out there. $250 worth of equipment, you know. Nothing. But I'm doing it right. Anyway, um, there's something about being waist deep in a river. I, I can't, I, it's just something, right, Jimbo? Just something about being waist deep in a river. You don't even care you're not catching fish. Something about God just rushing that water through your legs and the beauty of around you, and you can see the trout, and they're not biting, but they're there. It screams of God. Another reason why, Psalm 102, verse 25 says, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. Creation is also a basis of understanding the eternalness of God. The eternalness of God. You look at creation, it's beautiful, but it, it dies. It goes away. You look at that and it, it has, it's marked in such a way so that it makes you think about how eternal God is. In fact, I believe it's so marked that I believe God left his footprints all over creation. The best, I think the best defense, if anyone says, prove to me there's a God. I just walk him over to a tree and go there. Look at that. Or to a bunny rabbit. Or to a dog. Cats are proof of the existence of Satan, of course, but um, any of those things. Romans 1.20 says, about this footprint that God left all over the place, Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How are they seen? They're being understood from what has been made. So that men are without excuse. You, you you can look at a tree and it just screams, God, the burden of proof is not upon the person to say, okay, tree, la di da di da di da di da di da God made it. No, the burden of proof is saying, tree, where in the world did a tree come from? Look at it, and it's marked in such a way that it just says, God. Creation screams of God. July 26, 2000. Picked up my cell phone, 
And I got a phone call I'll never forget. It was a phone call from one of the founders of this church. Actually, it was, it was uh, Bart Carey called me. He was crying. And he said, uh, I was pulling into Perkins' lot, too. I don't know what, what, going out to dinner or what, but he said, I just want to let you know that another one of the founders of this church, uh, Graham Nelson, has just had an aneurysm. He blew a blood vessel, and um, he's in a coma, and he's not expected to live. He presented at the hospital with his arms twisted like this. Anyone who's in medicine knows that that is very bad. And it wasn't expected for him to live at all. The next morning, I had to fly out to Seattle. And we were going from Seattle to drive through the mountains to Milton Freewater, Oregon. Anyone? Anyone? Milton. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> to do their wedding. <laughs> yeah, they're the only ones, yeah. The only hyphenated city in the entire United States, Milton-Freewater. Anyway, and I, I was riding in a car with my wife, Amanda Bromberic, who now is Amanda Liebert, and, and myself, we were driving from Seattle, we rented a car, and we we're going to drive, and we're just beside ourselves because of this person is in the hospital, he's 24 at the time, 6 at the time, and I distinctly remember driving through the mountains praying for Graham. I mean, if you've taken that road from Seattle to, I mean, you drive through the mountains. You are, you know, you're here and mountains there. And I remember thinking, God, if you can do that, you can do that, you can do this. Creation screams of God. Now, why, why did God, why did Jesus Christ, why did the Holy Spirit, why did they create the world? Because they were lonely? <clears throat> Wrong answer. They weren't lonely. They were doing, having a great time. Just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were, doing, they were doing just fine. And even if you thought they were lonely, then they were lonely for a long time, eternally past. I don't care how old you think the earth is. When you go to infinity back, it's a long ways. So, why'd they do it? Colossians 1 says, this is talking about Jesus. I want to read it in context because it's such a great passage. Colossians 1 13 through 17 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, talking about Jesus Christ, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. Isn't that cool? They just go, poof, into it. All the particles, or whatever they are, would just go, Oof. All things hold together. But listen, look at that verse 16, the very end of it. All things were created by him and for him. Isn't that cool? All things are created by him and for him. Jesus Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit, as they created everything, they did it, you know why? For themselves. They did it so they would have some way to display their glory to. Now you might be thinking, whoa, wait a minute, now wait. Did you just say 
that God created the world out of 100% selfish motives? Absolutely, I just said that. God is the only being in the world who can be 100% selfish, and it's 100% to our benefit. God made the world, the reason for it was to display his glory. He created you so that you would love nothing more than anything else than to be satisfied by him. So he creates you that way. As Augustine says, there's a God-shaped hole in each one of us. And so God creates you that way so that when you allow God to work into your life and you say, God, I bend my knee to you and I want to follow you and there's something in you that comes alive, you give God glory and you get satisfied. It's, it's not a, there's not a tension here. You being 100% selfish and saying, I want to be satisfied. I want to be complete. I want to be joyful. I want to be happy, whatever you want to call it. And God's desire to be completely glorified are not intention at all. Not at all. As my uh, old boss three blocks down the street likes to say here, John Piper, uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that is true. That is true. He created all things by him and for him. I remember when this first became a reality. I didn't know John yet, and I had come to this reality. I was preparing for a talk uh, on campus. I was with uh, a campus group, and I was preparing for a talk on heaven, and I wondered, what would heaven be like? One of the things I loved to do in those days was read the funnies, because the three greatest comics of all time are there, Calvin and Hobbes, Farside, and uh, Bloom County. Oh, man, now they're all gone. <laughs> anyway, um, and I remember, first thing I'd read, open the comics, I'd read those three comics, and uh, I thought to myself, what if there's going to be comics in heaven? I don't know. And I'm, I'm preparing this talk. I'm wondering, what is going to be I don't know. But then the thought hit me, and it's one of the most cool thoughts I've ever had. And I'm sure I stole it from someone, but it came up like an original thought. <laughs> and it was, whatever button the comics are pushing right now, whatever button's being pushed by the comics button, that button will be pushed a hundredfold, a thousandfold, a millionfold in heaven. Whether or not there are comics there. God will satisfy that. Whether it's golf in heaven or not, I don't know. For some of you, that'd be your own personal private hell, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there will be fly fishing. No, I can guarantee you. Sorry, Tim. Uh, didn't like fly fishing. The, um, God created you in such a way so that you delight in him. He did it for himself. The ultimate application of this, the ultimate application of Jesus being the creator is that Jesus made you. Psalm 139 is the best passage on this. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I, made it, when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Jesus Christ made you. He made you exactly the way you are. And you know what? He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He is not done with me. I had to confess to the pastors this week about just being cynical about something. And I realized the Lord rebuked me about 10 hours later and I wrote him an email saying, man, I am such a jerk. And I wrote two things at the end of that email. One, I'm glad that God doesn't grade based on my performance. It's based on Christ's performance. 
And two, I'm so glad he's not done with me because I'm a mess. And you're a mess too. He's not done with you. This morning I want you to close as we close in a time of prayer. Are you allowing the one who painted you? Are you allowing the one who made you, fashioned you? Are you allowing that person to be the artist in your life? We're going to see in verse 10 where often people, even though the, the world was created by Christ, he came and they rejected him. Are you allowing the creator of you to be your artist in your life? Let's pray together. God, I praise you because every person in this room is fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus, I praise you that you were the one who it says all things are made through you. Nothing exists that you weren't intimately involved in fashioning and shaping. And I think of just working with my hands and watching others work with their hands and how joy comes from creating and how much joy that must have given you. How much joy it must have given you to fashion those three little infants we dedicated this morning. How much joy must have came to you as you fashioned each person in this room. And certain people in this room do not feel at all joyful about the way you've created them. And yet you, you, it brought you joy. So God, would you grant them a gift this morning that they could know that the way they are brings you joy. God, I pray that you would allow us to be people who, as we walk around now, after you've given us breath, that we would look back to the artist and say, well done, well done. Keep painting, keep painting, keep changing. I pray for that in our lives, God, that we would allow you to be the creator and the recreator of us. Open our hearts, Father, even as we sing these last two songs, by your spirit, if there's anything you want us to do to change or be different or to allow your, your, your Holy Spirit to work in us, would you just communicate that to us even as we sing these last two songs? Pray this in Christ's name.